The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, I encourage you to subscribe to us or follow us, as they say in the industry, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And if you'd like your own podcast, now's a great time to start one up. Summer's about halfway over. You're thinking about uh, what's going to happen in September, getting back in the swing of things. Start a podcast. Get your own show, kids. Go to pod617.com to get started. You can do it from the comfort of your home or from our Westwood Mass studios, where I am not today, I confess. And my guest, uh, Melissa, you probably thought I'm in this fancy studio. I'm actually at home in front of a green screen. Did I have you fooled? You totally did. Oh, you good. look like you're in a studio. I shouldn't have said anything. Anyway, our guest today is a public insurance adjuster. Wait, don't go anywhere. It's actually very interesting, she tells me, and a lot of fun. Her name is Melissa Sherwood. Let's welcome her to the show properly. That's right. How are you today? I am good after that introduction. My goodness. <laughs> well, you come highly recommended, so please try not to fall flat on your face on the podcast. Okay, now, I'll try. You're, now you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. So, where do you grab? You're a, you're a Marblehead person. You're a North Shore person, as we say. Is that where? You, is that business and home, or or what? Business is also North Shore. We're located in Lynn. Okay. The city of sin, you never come out the way you came in. I, I hate when people say that's stupid. I know, <laughs> but it, it's kind of true. I, I just have to say. You can take the girl out of Lynn, but you can't take the Lynn out of the girl. So tell me how, how long you're with, is it Panacchio? Panacchio Adjusters? Nice job. Yes, okay. Panacchio Adjusters. Okay. And you can find them at PanacchioAdjusters.com. It's spelled exactly like it sounds, which um, is, is probably not helpful. P-A-N-A-K-I-O and then Adjusters.com. How long have you been doing this? So my family's been doing this since 1937. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So did family have, business started have, in 1937. They... I came in about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. My dad needed some help. My dad was an attorney. He was also a public insurance adjuster. And I said, you know what? I'll come in and I'll help out. But I don't know if this is for me. And little did I know. I think I was born to do this. I just started doing it a little bit later in life. Mm -hmm. And the the learning curve was quick because he had so much faith in me that this was something that I could do based on my personality and skill set um, that he kind of just dropped me into it. You can do this. So you represent, my words, not yours, the good guy when it comes to insurance disputes. Tell me who your clients are. Our clients are homeowners, commercial property owners, anybody that owns property. So we don't do anything with cars or boats. Mm -hmm. Think residential homes, commercial properties, business owners that have business policies where they may be like leasing an office and they have business property equipment, things of that nature. And so, and you only represent your, your, 
usually in a when there's a dispute against an insurance company. So give us a, an idea, a garden variety dispute that you would get involved in. Sure. I, I will say first, I think the term public insurance adjuster is very confusing to mm-hmm. the to the average person. We are think of us more as a private adjuster. So your insurance company is going to have an adjuster come out to assess the damage that represents the insurance company and is looking out for the best interest of the insurance company. We are hired privately by the insured. So that's the property owner to make sure that the insurance company is paying everything that they should be. So an example of this would be a fire, a flood, something happens to your residential home or commercial property. And this is never something that one expects to happen. Mm -hmm. So when it does, you literally don't know what to do. Mm. And you file a claim and your insurance company is going to send out an adjuster. The first thing you should be doing, even before you file a claim in a perfect world, is contacting a public insurance adjuster. Mm. Because we come in and treat the claim as if it's a crime scene. It's the best way to describe it. Wow. We document everything. We take photographs of everything. We um, Do you go out to the scene yourself or do you have people that do that for you? No, I go out to the scene myself really? as well. Yes. Yeah. I always have boots in my car. Rubber- it's a very difficult job to dress for. <laughs> rubber gloves. I take it you, you, you keep the rubber glove industry. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So you go out to the scene. You're taking photos. This is like, of course, the layperson like me thinks of, you know, CSI. You're like taking photos. and But I take it that the, those are important details. If the, There hasn't been a, a, a crime necessarily, but there's been an accident that, well, there could be a lot of money at stake as to which way it goes, right? Right. It's all about proof and documentation. Mm-hmm. So getting out there at the very beginning and compiling that evidence, we may or may not need it to um, create our argument or substantiate our argument, but you never know when or when you might not need it. So just to have all of that on file, because there are times that the claim's going smoothly and something happens and things start going sideways and we're in a disagreement over something. And if we can go back to that evidence and produce that proof to substantiate what we're asking for, it makes it go away. Have you ever had a case where you went in thinking one thing and then a piece of evidence you discovered kind of turned your whole opinion as to what happened? Well, in this business, it's either very clear what has happened, what the cause of loss is or not. And if it isn't clear, the insurance company will always send in a cause and origin person. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they actually try to figure out exactly what happened. And sometimes they can figure it out it out and sometimes they can't. So I did have, yes, is the answer to your question. So I did have something that happened recently that the property owner told me that the cause of the fire is one thing. And then when I was out with the cause and origin person, it was actually something else. Are you not allowed to tell us what it is? Is that why you're being a little circumspect? So, so so (laughs) the homeowner told me it was spontaneous combustion, but it was Mm. actually accidental disposal of smoking um, paraphernalia. And people do that because they think they're going to get in trouble for something like that. But if it's accidental, it's accidental. Okay. So, So, you know. The person person probably felt very guilty 
Right, and they're embarrassed, and yep. there's all sorts of things. But, we, you know, we see all sorts of crazy things. We really mm-hmm. do. Spontaneous combustion is quite a theory for someone to posit to you, <laughs> given, what, given what you do. That's an interesting theory. I guess I'm laughing because it, it seems like you don't hear a lot about that. It seems like, it, as I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, I felt like you heard my parents had to explain to me what spontaneous combustion was, and it's just what it sounds like. It's, it's A fire just started. So, And I think of the movie Spinal Tap, where they had the fictional rock band that their drummers kept spontaneously combusting on stage. Right. Uh, that, yeah. It doesn't happen but as much ha- as you think. Yeah. It, it does, but spontaneous combustion, believe it or not, especially during the summer months, is... It happens a lot more than really? you think that it would. A lot of it comes from contractors that are painting or working on flooring, and they leave rags and don't dispose of them properly. And then on a really hot, humid summer day, right. it just takes off. And, and it's like the perfect storm of heat and then wind, which make it really difficult for the firefighters to put that fire out. Wow. And so, some of the most devastating losses that we've worked on have been from spontaneous combustion. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. You're you're reminding me of the De Niro character from Backdraft who was, you know, (laughs) cut through all the ashes and everything and figure out what happened. Very interesting. That's it. You've you've really got me turned around on this. How about the world of a fakery, Photoshopping, face swapping, and all this weird stuff that allows you to fake a lot of digital and, and audio. I guess the digital would be more more to your case. I mean, does that come up ever? Because, you know, what people can submit photos that are phony in order to try to make their case in theory, right? They could, but when we're involved, I know if something was there or not. And, you know, that is something that I will never do is I will not lie. Because I am not going to lose my license by, you know, when I put my name on something, when we put Pinocchio adjusters, our stamp on something, it means that, you know, we are submitting this on behalf of our our client and we believe all of this to be true. So, well, it it, it could be easy to be fraudulent, right. I guess you would say, or tempting, mm-hmm. right? Not something that we would do. And I'm a very good read on people. So if I think that somebody is up to something like that, I pretty much know. Mm. I have a lie detector test for you. You just said you never lie, Melissa. So this is it. Are you ready? Ready. Have you ever eaten peanut butter straight out of the jar? Yes. Correct. I know that you are telling the truth. Well done. I did last night. It was almond butter, but whatever. All right. So that's good. It's a little healthier. But yeah, I I do it too. Sometimes I just pretend it's ice cream. It's terrible. Melissa Sherwood is our guest. And just as a reminder, find her. What's the easiest place for people to find you? Is it the website or elsewhere? Website LinkedIn is a great place too, from more of a professional standpoint. I'm also on Facebook. Cool. But our website, we do have PinocchioAdjusters.com, also just Pinocchio.com. And also, if you want Google reviews, we're on Google Business. What is it that most annoys you about Facebook? I'm talking non-business. I'm talking all of the Facebook universe. I mean, I just feel like people only post things that, like, nobody ever posts anything, like, unhappy on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. Or when they're mad at their kids or... You know, yeah. whatever. It, yeah. it, every it's what people call it fake fake book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it totally is, and that's why I I do have a few friends. It's a minority, but who will who will pay stuff like I yelled at my kids today. I have heartburn and I have a flat tire. You know, 
That's the person right. I want to be friends with. That's because that because that person I'll say, oh, you still have your health, you know, or whatever. You know, it's my most annoying thing when what? people say me and then they quote themselves and then their kid yeah. and then they quote themselves. And then I just it's it. Yeah, that's my least. Yeah, favorite. it's replete with cliches. Also, people stop taking photos that have your feet in it. I don't know why people I don't need to, do to this. see your feet or your food. Right. I mean, even if you have nice feet, I don't care. Like you're on the beach, you want to take up, you, you want to show off that you're at the beach. Okay, I guess that's all right. If you want to put your kids in the beach, like that might be nice. And that way, I know you're posting it, so maybe like the grandparents can see the f- pictures also. So that's nice. But don't picture, don't give me a picture of you with like point of point of view shot with you holding a book and a cigar, and I can see your feet. That's for men. For yeah, women, I, I don't. Agree. I, you, I'm maybe. totally with you. All right, no well, feet. Good. No feet. We've resolved that critical issue today here on the Boston Podcast. Melissa, let me ask you one more thing. What's the uh, greatest movie about insurance? The greatest movie about insurance? Yes. There aren't too many, but I was racking my brain before we got started. I came up with one. You did? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you. If you don't have one, that's All right, okay. Tell me, because I, don't, I, I probably couldn't think of it right now. So have, tried. have you ever seen Class Action with Gene Hackman? Oh right! Right, that that yes. I I'd call that an insurance company because they were they were battling this insurance company that it was a car crash case I guess and so the they called them the bean counters the bean counters were the one who decided not to recall the car because they did they had done the mat this is what they discovered during the course of the case the sinister underbelly of the automobile slash insurance company uh, industry where. They determined that if they recalled the cars, it would be more expensive than fighting out a few lawsuits, even if they involved death. So they basically sent some of their drivers to death because that was the economical thing to do. So I haven't thought about that movie in a long time, but it was pretty good. I haven't either. Now I feel like I need to watch it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I might go back and and watch it. We can report back to each other. Uh, That sounds good. I'll ask you one more business question. Give us an example of uh, a proud moment that you've had that you've helped one of your clients and they they said, wow, if I didn't have you, then I'd be up the creek. She's so, fine. you know, anytime you take a family from a devastating fire through rebuild mm-hmm. and it, it is you create a bond with family that I, I just can't really explain it. It's probably very different from most business relationships. But we did have a family in Swampscott that had a really large fire, really devastating. They lost a family pet. It happened during COVID. We were able to settle that claim in less than a year, which is a imagine, believe it or not, a, a quick amount of time for sure. a very a total loss that was over a million dollars. But our first our first go round with the insurance company was in the three hundred thousand dollar range. And just seeing that family now and I, I see them at coffee shops or the beach or whatever and I've seen the rebuild product on on the house and it's just so gratifying to know that we really do make a huge difference. That's so cool. I mean, the, you know, outside of losing a family member, I can't imagine anything more devastating than losing your home. And it's, it, it just be, I can't imagine what it's like. You must imagine it all the time since you, you deal with people. Like what, when you look into their eyes, are they just shattered? Are they just, I suppose there's no one that's like, yeah, no big deal. Well, believe it or not in the beginning, they often are like, oh, it's no big deal. We're safe. Nobody, right. you know, in this case, they did lose a family pet, which is devastating. Ooh, but, you know, the kids were safe and they all got out. 
but it is a process. And it, having been through it enough times, I know there's going to be a, a time when you're, they just crash and burn mm. and they are emotionally just, you know, junk. Mm. And I, I always kind of coach them on that. Like this is going to happen. You're running on adrenaline right now. This is a long process when it all settles down you are going to feel like you were run over by trash truck. Right, I mean, right. you will be at that point. And, you know, again, if, if it's a family situation, you know, their kids are looking at them for strength. So, you know, there's a lot more than we do than just like the estimating and the logistics of the claim. I mean, there's a huge emotional piece. Often they are upset with us because they're just upset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand that. And I also expect it to come at some point, but everybody does handle it differently. You know, it's human nature. We, we all have ways of protecting ourselves and defense mechanisms. I hope this isn't too silly a question, but um, it just popped into my head. Heaven forbid your place of home was on fire. What's the first, ob- besides family, friends, pets, anybody that's in there, what's the first object you would look to save? It's a tough one, isn't it? Probably photos. Yeah. See, most people, that's probably what I would grab too. I've got a framed photo of my dad when I was like eight months old and I'm a baby and I'm smiling and he, it's a black and white photo. And he he had it in our my childhood home for years. And when I eventually moved out, I said, what do you think if I took that? And he was delighted. And so I still have it. However, I have digital copies of it somewhere. somewhere. Right. <laughs> so I could reproduce it. But a lot of people it. don't. Yep. Right. You know? Yeah. I'd probably grab my purse, too, because I have, like, everything in my purse. <laughs> oh, you. Of course you'd grab your purse. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'd I mean, gra- if I could I'd, get to it. It's sad. I'd, I'd probably thing? grab my laptop. That's probably because most of the photos are, well, I don't know. There's probably something I'm forgetting, like something my kids drew for me when they were two and Sorry, kids. Anyway, we are going to play a round of good stuff before we depart. But uh, before we do that, let me just take a break and take one minute to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own show. Would you like to be the next big podcast star? Podcasting is a great way to connect with your clients, your prospective clients, your entire network. They'll be delighted because they'll be invited to be a guest on your show. And then their takeaway is a wonderfully produced crisp-sounding crisp podcast episode for them to keep, and it lives forever. You can do it out of the comfort of your home. We'll send you out a quality USB microphone and produce it for you over Zoom, or you can come into our Westwood Mass Studios, pod617.com. In pod, we trust. All right, here comes good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. You know, uh, Melissa, most of the guests dance when the B-52s comes on. You weren't dancing. Oh, and now she is a little bit. Okay. You didn't know. It's okay. It's okay. You got your... I would have danced to it if I felt that it was acceptable. <laughs> you weren't dancing. It was a little. It was very subtle. You had to look very closely. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. All right. For good stuff, both Melissa and I will recommend something good that will perhaps brighten your day. Would you like to go first, Melissa, you being the guest? What can you recommend to our guests? I'm sure. So, well, I just finished watching The Terminal List. Oh, that's great, because so did I, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Wasn't it good? Yeah. But tell, tell us, tell our listeners kind of what that's about and, and what your impression was. 
So it's about a team of Navy SEALs that are on a mission. And I think there was a team of 12 and only Something one, like that, their right. commander, comes home. Right. And it's a bit of a mystery. It's action. It's scandalous. It's sad. It's it's kind of dark, but it was like really, really good. And a friend recommended it to my husband and I, which I wouldn't have found it myself probably. And I just thought it was really good. And who's in it? Because I always forget his name. Oh, that's okay. It's Chris Pratt. Uh, Thank so you. Chris Pratt, who, depending upon what you know, what you watch, you might know him from his days on Parks and Recreation. You might know him from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or the Jurassic Park movies. Jesus, that guy's in everything. I mean, he seems nice enough, I guess. But I know, but he was perfect for that role. See, I agree. Th- this is uh, this is a great. As you say, it's a mystery, and we don't want to give it away. No spoilers. But let's just say when he comes back, he's got a theory of why his entire platoon, crew, posse, whatever they call it in the Navy, that whole unit was wiped out except for him but he's suffering from ptsd and headaches and probably something other other mysterious thing going on in his brain and so for a while we as the viewer don't know what really happened he thinks there's some nefarious thing working against him but he it could be in his head right that was kind of cool that tension yeah it was great yeah. it was great and it wasn't something silly like when you found out what it was it was like yeah it, it was believable. Let's put it that way. Right, right, and good to see uh, Jean Triplehorn uh, return as she's in the show as the Secretary of State. Is that who she is? Oh, she was great. Yeah, she was perfect. I feel like she hasn't been in a lot since she was Tom Cruise's love interest in the firm. You might remember for her from oh, way right. back there. I, yeah. I, the whole time I was trying to figure out where what she was in. <laughs> yeah, I will. Re- so that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, the Terminalist. I recommend it as well. It's uh, something like 10 episodes, 8 to 10 episodes, something like that. It's 8. eight I know oh, because okay. I just finished it. I will recommend something from Netflix. It's a documentary. It's called Misha and the Wolves. It's not a news story, but I had never heard about this movie, and I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer for Misha and the Wolves, so check it out. I could never make up this plot. If I did, somebody would say this is preposterous. This would not happen. I was so overwhelmed by this story. It's unbelievable. Misha is a Holocaust survivor. She's here to tell her astonishing story. You could have heard a pin drop. When she was only seven years old, she walked alone through Nazi-occupied countries across thousands of miles in search of her deported parents. This story had an amazing twist. Turn around and I see this magnificent animal. I felt no fear. It accepted me and protected me. I was thinking this would make a fascinating book. My agent said Disney wants this. Oprah wants this. That was the jackpot. We are heading into a monster bestseller here. She's so in my life a gold mine. It's an untenable position to be in. A cruel exploiter of an innocent Holocaust survivor. They came in with a massive judgment against me. 22.5 million. Ah, oh, all of a sudden, flash. This doesn't so I'm not going to play the whole thing because I don't want to give away the whole story. Oh, but... I can't stop watching it. <laughs> yes. I don't want to go back to work now. I want to go home and watch that. You'll you'll love it. It's it's to me it's it's really everything a, a documentary should be. It's uh, 
I believe it's, uh, I don't know how, I forget if it's a couple episodes or what. It's not some huge long thing. It's uh, probably right. all told two to three hours or something like that. I think in two installments. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, it might just, it might just be one movie. It's doable. Anyway, it's, doable. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's not, it's, it's not going to, you're not going to spend a whole weekend watching it. It's so, as you heard, it, by the way, local twist. I believe she lives, Misha, the protagonist in the story here, lives in Milford, I believe, Mass, or maybe Millis, Mass. It's one of those. Oh, wow. Anyway, yeah. So, and the voice you heard was a local radio, Boston radio personality at, at one point there in the clip. As you heard, woman named Misha, Holocaust survivor, tells her story. Her story includes uh, fleeing from a home in an effort to find her parents in Nazi Germany. And in, in on the way, she has to travel 10 miles basically through the snow. She's only 10 years old when she does this. And she is, is, is partly helped along by wolves who she befriended. So amazing story. But then as you can tell from the trailer, after this book is published about her story, something goes awry. I'm not going to tell you what happens. I mean, it's a documentary, so it's it's like it's this this actually happened. But the way it's presented in the documentary is amazing. I kept going, well, how can this be? How can this be? And I know I'm 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 being uh, vague here, but but watch it, Mission and the Wolves on Netflix. Will you watch it, Melissa? Sounds like you're hundred percent. Yes, hundred percent. Okay. okay. All right. So I'm in. <laughs> great, Melissa. If you don't mind, remind our listeners one more time how they can get in touch with you. You can get in touch with me at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at Pinocchio.com. You can go to my website, Pinocchio.com, or LinkedIn, Melissa Rose Sherwood on LinkedIn. Awesome. I hope you had a good time on the show today. I had a great time. You did great. Thank you for thank you for having me. You passed the audition. You're the coolest insurance person I ever had on the show, or at least in the last week or so. No. Stick around for one sec while I close this out, Melissa. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you want your own show, go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of Melissa, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. See ya.